Brother Stephen Underwood is going to preach tonight. You pray for him and ask God to use the message. And he didn't get a chance to preach those 10-minute messages, uh, but he's moved up to Dalton now. He's going to close out his uh, tenure here in Dalton because he helped buy his mother a home over on Bobby Drive and David. I think it's Conor, Bobby and David. And it's just right over here. And so we'll see a lot of them. Might not see a lot of him, but we'll see a lot of them. And I appreciate Brother Stephen so much. And I want him to come deliver the message and uh, share what God's laid on his heart. Amen. God bless you, brother. Well, it's an honor to be here. And I always enjoy uh, being here to hear my, my pastor preach. But I'm also thankful for the opportunity. And as a preacher, I'll never turn that one down. And so I'm very grateful to be here with you guys this evening. If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. I think it was sometime last year, uh, you know, we came back on furlough, it seems like six years ago, uh, but uh, it was just March of last year, and so we were supposed to leave March 31st for the field, and of course all of this happened, and so we're uh, in a little bit of state, of state of limbo right now, just waiting for everything to open back up, and Argentina's obviously watching what goes on here, they're also watching their numbers before they start allowing foreigners to come in, so... We're just uh, we're, uh, in communication with other missionaries that are down there, and we're just waiting for everything to open, then we'll be ready to go. But uh, when I was here last time, I preached out of Philippians chapter 4, and uh, you know, I explained how Philippians became one of my favorite books as I started taking it verse by verse and just breaking it down, and uh, I preached a message entitled, Lessons That I'd Learned on the Mission Field. And it was just two simple lessons. Lesson one, if you remember, and I highly doubt you do, but lesson one was we've got to learn to control our thoughts instead of our thoughts controlling us. And maybe over the last several months, you've had to experience a little bit of that. Uh, you know, we, we find ourselves uh, when we're in quarantine and we can't go uh, do our normal routines of life, things that we're accustomed to, that it's very easy for us to get discouraged. It's very easy for us to get frustrated. And we've got to remember that our attitude is a direct reflection of our thought life. And so right now we have a unique opportunity to uh, think on things that are true and honest and just and lovely and of a good report. We have an opportunity right now to uh, think on things that are uh, right and to control our thoughts instead of our thoughts controlling us. And then lesson number two uh, from that message was we, learn, we need to learn to expect nothing and be grateful for absolutely everything. Uh, you know, it was uh, said that the beginning of gratitude is the expectation of nothing. And, uh, and you know, especially right now, that's a, that's a lesson that sometimes proves easier said than done. And a lot of times we have expectations of how we think things should go and what we think should happen. Uh, but when we uh, expect nothing, then we can be grateful for absolutely all of the blessings that God allows us uh, to experience. And can I tell you, it is a blessing for us to be able to gather together in the house of God, to follow the ordinances of, of the church, baptism, Lord's Supper, for us to worship him through that act of worship uh, and, uh, and be here together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a blessing from God for us to be able to gather together. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, for the last 25 years that I've been in church, I have worn something that I absolutely abhor. What's one more thing? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. I, I don't like ties, but you know what? We wear ties in church, and so that's what I wear. It doesn't matter as long as we get to gather together. Amen? 
But uh, Philippians chapter 3, I want to preach a message, very, very um, uh, short, very easy. As a matter of fact, if I showed you my notes right now, it's, it's even handwritten. I haven't even topped it out. It's just chicken scratch. But some thoughts that the Lord has given me, just three simple lessons that God's taught me during COVID. Uh, three lessons that God has taught me from COVID. Uh, I want to begin very quickly just reminding you of what it says in Philippians 3 at the beginning of the chapter. Paul writes to them and he warns them of, uh, in, cha- in verse 2 of, of dogs and of evil workers and concision. These people that were saying that you needed to be circumcised in order to be uh, in good standing with God. And uh, it, these were false teachers that were coming into the church and leading many astray. And he says in verse 3, he says, for we, are of the cir- uh, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and notice this, and have no confidence in the flesh. There is absolutely no good in you. There's nothing that you could do to merit a good standing with God. There's nothing that you could do to merit salvation. There is no good in your flesh. And everything that we do, we are empowered and, and uh, commissioned through the Holy Spirit of God. We have no confidence in the flesh. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to say, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, he's saying, listen, if there's anybody that's here that could have confidence in the flesh, he said, it's me. And then he lists his, his spiritual resume, so to speak. You know, if a church was looking for a, a pastor that checked all of the boxes, they could look at the Apostle Paul, and he checked them all. He says, listen, I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, basically, I'm a purebred. I, I'm one of the real deal Jews. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. He said, uh, uh, I, I was of the stock of Israel, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching the law, he was blameless. He said all of the boxes, all those spiritual boxes that you could check, that you would list off of what it means to be righteous before a holy God, he said, I checked them. He said concerning zeal, he said, I persecuted the church. He said, I was so zealous and I was so faithful that I I persecuted the church. I, I put Christians to death. But notice what he says in verse seven. He says, but what things were gained to me Those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said none of those things mattered. None of those things uh, uh, were of any uh, value. Uh, It didn't matter in light of eternity. The only thing that mattered was my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we come to verse 10. And notice Paul's desire here. He says, my greatest desire is this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You know, I think many of us, we would say that we want to follow Jesus and we want to serve Jesus and we want to be a testimony of Christ in the lives of others. And it's one thing for us to follow Christ uh, within the realm of, of our own comfort, but how many would say that I'll follow Christ as, and, and even have fellowship with him even in his sufferings? You see, that was Paul's desire. He says, I want to know Jesus so intimately that I have fellowship with him, not in my sufferings, but his sufferings. And if you go to the account of the cross and 
how he was mocked and his beard was plucked from his face and he was scourged and he was beaten and he bore the weight of sin of all of mankind upon himself. Uh, Paul said, I want to know him so intimately, so closely that I have fellowship with him, not in my sufferings, not in my mistreatment, not in the abuse that I suffer, but in Christ's. He says, so much so that I want to be made conformable unto his death. He said, I, I just want my life to be like Christ. And Jesus looked at the multitudes and they followed him. But the moment that he said a hard truth to them, something like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, then they, many of the multitudes turned and walked away. And he asked the disciples, will you two also leave? But he goes on in another place and says, if you are not willing to pick up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of me. You cannot be my disciple. We look at that and it's more than just a cross that we wear around our neck or some sort of t-shirt that we wear that says that we're a Christian. But to bear, to carry your cross, it means to pick up the very instrument of your death, knowing that at the end it will require your life and still being willing to follow Jesus. And that was Paul's desire, can that be said of us? When we come to our text this evening, we'll begin reading here in verse 12. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that uh, I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Notice this. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lesson number one, you ready? Paul says, I have not arrived. But you know what? That's okay. Can I just tell you, it's all right that you don't understand everything that's going on right now. It's all right that we can't, that we don't have all of the answers. It's all right that when people look at us that sometimes we simply just have to say, I don't know. Here in verse number 12, he says, not as though I'd already attained, either we're already perfect. He says, listen, I want you to understand, I'm not reached perfection yet. You understand that the Christian life, it is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we have to continue to run this race with patience that looks unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. This life, it's not, about the, it's not about the product. It's not about the end result that we're chasing. It's about the process of being conformed in the image of Christ. Paul says, listen, I've not arrived. If you would, maybe uh, put a circle around that word there in verse 13, apprehended. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. That means to grasp or to arrive. He says, I want you to understand that uh, you can't rely on me for, uh, to sol solve all of your problems. There are times in your life that you're going to go through storms, you're going to go through trials, and the preacher can't be the one that has to pick you up and encourage you all the time. You know, I'm, re I'm reminded of what David went through when, when, uh, when uh, the armies came through and, and they sacked Ziklag and all of David and his mighty men were out to battle and they come back to Ziklag and they find that all of their women and children are taken captive and it says that they wept until they had no more power to weep. 
You know, I've, I've suffered uh, some trials in my life. I remember when dad passed away, it was probably the hardest thing that I'd ever endured, but I'm just going to be honest with you. There's never been a time in my life where I've wept so much and poured out my tears so much and had such a heartbreak that I had no more power to weep, that the tears dried up from my eyes. But that's exactly what happened with David and his mighty men when they came back and found all of their women, all of their wives and all of their children taken captive. As a matter of fact, his men turned against him and they, they sought to stone him. They wanted to kill David. They blamed him. And the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to where when <clears throat> you turn to your right or you turn to your left, when you feel like you're all alone, that you're close enough to the God of heaven that you can encourage yourself in the Lord? He says, I count not myself to have apprehended. I've not arrived yet. Can I just be honest with you? Brother Wayne has been one of the best counselors in the world, but there's times where he is not going to have the answer to solve your problem. And you have to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Lesson number two. We can learn from our experiences, but we can't live in the past. Notice what he says. There in verse 13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. I think one of the things that handicaps us many times is that we dwell so much on our past, our past failures, the times that we messed up, the times that we stumbled, that it keeps us from being able to go forward. I know that's one of the things in my own life that I've had to work to, to try to overcome. And I've, again, I've not arrived in that. I'm not perfect in that. There's times where my wife basically has to look at me and says, say, hey, suck it up. We've got a job to do. <clears throat> but if we allow our failures to be the thing that we focus on, the times that we messed up, if we allow that to control uh, our thought life and we allow that to... To, to keep us living in the past, then we cannot live in what God has in store for us today. Can I tell you, likewise, we can't live on our past successes. You know what? The baptism waters that stirred 20 years ago cannot be sufficient for today. Because there is a, an entire generation, we talk about how if we can't get our country back to, to, to God and back to serving Jesus, then we will lose a generation. Friend, can I tell you that we have already lost a generation. And it doesn't take long to turn on the news to see that generation coming up and the sort of lifestyle that they're living and really what they believe not only about you, but about the God that we serve. We have already lost a generation. But what about the one to follow? We cannot live on the successes of yesterday. We've got to remember that there are souls all around this world and there are generations of young people that right now are being raised and they will believe something. But my friend, we have the truth and we have exactly what they need. You want to find what will bring healing, what will bring uh, revival back to a nation, it, it, it rests the responsibility and, and the commission that we were given rests right here in the pews of God's church. We are the answer to our nation's problems. 
what will you do with it? We've got to forget those things which are behind both our failures and our successes. Many times when we live in the past, we have, again, that word expectations on how things should be. I remember back in 2017, we were there in South Africa, and one of the things that we always enjoyed, especially during football season, was uh, we would connect to Brother Wayne Sleen Box that he had set up for Mark and Amy. And then Amy and I would uh, usually uh, kick each other off because she wanted to watch the Bulldog game and I wanted to watch the Tennessee game. And, uh, and uh, if we were at my house, it was always the Tennessee game. But uh, <clears throat> I remember that year leading up to the season, it was Butch Jones' final season as the head coach. And they started putting out what, what was called hype videos. Y'all know what a hype video is? Uh, it started in about July and I was thinking, you guys putting out these videos awfully early uh, before the season starts. Why don't we h- slow down a little bit and see what really happens? But I remember in these hype videos, they were showing clips uh, to try to get people fired up for the coming season. And they wanted everybody to be behind the, the, the 2017 ball team. And it was projected that they were not only going to win the SEC East, but maybe the SEC championship and all of this. And so they started showing these hype videos and it was really a bad omen. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not one of those that look looks for omens or signs or anything, but I'm going to tell you, it was a bad omen because in these hype videos, they were showing these clips to games from the previous season that I know Tennessee lost. And if you got to show clips and videos that you're supposed to be hyping everybody up for and you lost the game, that's not a good thing. That's not a good sign to tell you that you're going to have a good team. Anyway, they had hyped everybody up, and then the season starts, and it was the first year in Tennessee history that they did not win a single SEC game. You know what one of the problems of living in the past is? That you believe your own hype. And when you start to believe your own hype, guess what? You'll never live up to it. We've got to forget those things which are behind. Learn from your experience. But don't live in the past. Lesson number three, and we're done. We have a race to run, so keep pressing forward. I don't know about you, but I mean, the world seems awfully bleak. Things seem pretty hopeless right now. We're looking for everyone that we can to try to get as much information as we can so that we can formulate our own thoughts and opinions and find some answers. But the truth is, is that it seems like there's absolutely no hope. You know, the thing is, is that I hadn't heard a trumpet sound yet. I haven't seen the graves out here open up. We aren't standing face to face with Jesus yet, so our race is not over. There is a race to run, we have a job to do, and we have been commissioned by Jesus Christ, our King, to get the gospel of Christ to a lost and dying world. Because one day that trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to meet him, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But until that day, we must run the race. Verse 14. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm reminded of the story of an Australian farmer back in the 60s named Clifford Albert Young. Maybe you've heard the story before. 
Australia was preparing to host their very first ultra marathon and this marathon, this race was going to last for five days and consist of, uh, of 544 miles. All these runners from around the world had been training for well over a year and they show up on race day and they've got their high-tech sneakers and their lightweight uh, running gear on and they are hydrated and they're well prepared and they've been training all of this time preparing for this race and Farmer Young shows up to the race and he's wearing overalls and work boots. All of the runners that have been preparing and training, they look and they laugh at him. They say, what in the world is this guy doing? He's biting off more than he can chew. He's way in over his head. But nevertheless, Farmer Young gets in line for the race. As you can imagine, the race started and all of those uh, well-trained runners, they just took off and left him in a cloud of dust. They run for several hours, eight, ten hours, and night begins to fall and uh, as the night falls, they don't run through the night. They just uh, pull over to the side. They set up camp. They have their meals. They hydrate. And they rest for a few hours before continuing the race. But what they didn't expect was Farmer Young. At his slow and steady pace, he runs through the night. At some point during the night, he passes the other runners that are asleep and he continues to go. The next morning, those runners, they get up and they stretch and they start the race again, and a few hours down the way, they catch up to Farmer Young, and they're all astonished. They look and say, what in the world did this guy do? He ran through the night. They get several hours ahead of him, and again, night begins to fall, and so they pull off to the side, they set up their camp, they have their meals, they hydrate, and they stretch. And for a second night, Farmer Young continues to run through the night. This goes on for three more nights. Each night, each morning, the runner's catching up to him at some point during the day. By that fifth night, while all of the runners are tired and weary, they're wondering if he, they hadn't seen him in several hours, they're wondering how he could possibly be going. He had to have given up. But by day five, Farmer Young had won the race beating all of, the other far, all of the other runners by 10 hours. When the media got to him, they began to ask him, well, how in the world were you able to run every night just slow and steady and continuously go for that long without resting? Farmer Young looks at the media outlets and he tells them, he said, well, all of my life I've been chasing the sheep to protect them from the storm. He said, I just imagine." that I was chasing my sheep and the storm kept getting closer. And that's how I was able to continuously run. They asked him, they said, how in the world were you able to do that? And he said, my sheep mean absolutely everything to me. They asked him again, another question, they said, well, since you won, what will you do with the winnings? As a matter of fact, Farmer Young looks at him and he says, I had no idea there was even a prize. It's kind of interesting. He takes the prize money, which uh, it was equivalent to about $100,000 in today's money, and he equally distributes it to all of the other runners. He said they trained so hard for this event, they all deserve a little something. You know, we're just farmers. 
chasing sheep from the coming storm? How can we run though we be weary? How can we serve though we be tired? How can we continue to run this race called life because Jesus looks at the multitudes and he's moved with compassion seeing them as sheep having no shepherd. And my friend, there is a storm coming. And it means eternity. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And for you and I, that would be a glorious day, but for countless souls all around this world, they have not done that in this life, but my friend, you can be rest assured that they will do so in the next. But instead of hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servant, they'll hear, depart from me, for I never knew you. And we have the truth right here. Not only do we have sheep that we need to protect from the impending storm, but can I just tell you, there is a prize waiting for us. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, he said, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, but not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Can I tell you, there are, there are, there is a prize awaiting for us when we stand before Jesus. And when we hear those words, well done, he'll crown us with crowns of righteousness, which we will then place at his feet and worship and reverence to all that he's done for you and I. And at the end, it will be worth it all. I haven't arrived. I don't have all the answers. I'm not yet perfect. I'm still learning and growing. And that's okay. We can learn from our experiences. Let's be careful not to live in the past. And lastly, there's still a race to run. So get running. Father, we love you. Lord, we love this church. I pray, God, that you would work in hearts. Lord, that you would speak to them through your word. I pray, Lord, that this has been a, an encouragement and a challenge. God, I pray, Lord, in my own heart personally, Lord, that you'd help me to focus on the things that are true and lovely and just and honest. That Lord, help me to focus on Jesus Christ. Lord, help me to remember why we run this race. Help me to remember that, that you are worthy of all of our efforts, Lord, that we can only find true value and not in who we are, but who you are through us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use our lives to magnify your name and bring more worshipers to the saving knowledge of Christ through sharing your word, through sharing your message. We love you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Pastor. With every head still bowed and every eye closed just for a moment of invitation, have me say tonight that you know you're saved and on the way to heaven and you're glad that you've been saved. Would you raise your hands? A happy testimony of that amen. all over this place. How many glad you're saved? Say amen. amen. And uh, is there anyone in here to say, I'm not saved and you're not even in the race. You don't have a shepherd to rescue you when the going gets tough and you have no mark to press towards. And I want to tell you something, the greatest purpose on this life is, as I preach this afternoon at the graveside, is that for his namesake. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And that's why we're here. You'd say, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. Would you raise your hand so we can pray for you? We'll not come to you and embarrass you. 
We just want to pray for you. That's the most we can do for you. How many say, Preacher, I'm a Christian. I'm saved, saved by the grace of God. And I want to be found faithful. I don't have all the answers. I don't want to let the past poison the present and ruin the future. And I, don't, I know that I need to run the race and can continue to be faithful. And that's the least we can do for our Lord in these last days. And I want to be the best Christian that somebody knows so I can win them to the Lord. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up for prayer? I know I need to raise mine to be more faithful in these last days. Father, thank you for this great message. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of the word. And I pray, God, you'd apply it to our hearts. Help us, God, to be responsive people tonight. And God, be honest. We don't have the answers. God, we just, we can't, we, we, don't, we don't even know sometimes which way to turn, but Lord, we know we can turn to you and that you'll never let us down. And so Lord, help us to take this message to heart and apply it to our souls. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen.